Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke chapter number 6. And of course, uh, we are going through a series called Journey with Jesus, and we are doing a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Luke. We are on a journey with the Lord Jesus Christ, studying the life of Christ. And if you remember last time we were in Luke, it was a couple of weeks ago uh, because of Mother's Day and different things that we had going on, uh, we learned about this phrase of, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And we've been walking our way through, making our way through this sermon uh, if you remember, we've been talking about it. Here in Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plain, and uh, it's, it's the same sermon as the famous sermon in Matthew known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's the same sermon in the sense that it's the same outline and the same uh, uh, content, but it's a different sermon in the sense that it was preached at a different time in a different place, and we've talked about that, of course. And today we're going to finish this Sermon on the Plain uh, and I'd like to, to we're, we're, we're going to go through verses 46 through 49 uh, this, this morning uh, and look at this very famous conclusion to the sermon. But I, I want to begin in verse 49 just to show you something and to kind of highlight the, the context of, of, of the sermon this morning or the teaching this morning. You're there in Luke 6 and verse 49, the Bible says, But he that heareth uh, and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built in house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. I want you to notice this phrase at the end of verse number 9. It says, And the ruin of that house was great. And the ruin of that house was great. And what Jesus does is he gives us a parable, a very famous parable in this passage. And the emphasis on this passage is how to uh, build a life that is blessed by God, and also how you could build a life uh, that is ruined, how to ruin your life. And in fact, the title of the sermon this morning, I've entitled the sermon, How Christians Ruin Their Lives. And I've been, over the last 11 years, as my wife and I have been in ministry, I've, I've kind of been uh, shocked by this a little bit. I remember I used to have a pastor who uh, would say, about ministry, and I didn't really understand it at the time, but I understand it now, he would say, you know, if I set out to ruin my life on purpose, I don't know that I could do it as well as some people uh, tend to do it. And he'd say it kind of jokingly, uh, but I, I realize now that there is some truth to that. If I set out to ruin my health, if I set out to ruin my marriage, if I set out to ruin uh, my relationship with my children, if I set out to just destroy every friendship and every relationship that I had on purpose, I don't know that I could do it as well as some people do it. And they don't do it on purpose, uh, but the answer as to how you end up with a ruined marriage, a ruined friendship, a uh, ruined finances, ruined career, ruined ministry is all found in this teaching that Jesus is going to give us this morning. He's going to teach us how it is that Christians end up ruining their lives. And of course, the reason we want to learn this is so that we can avoid it. So I want to speak to you on this subject this morning on how to ruin your life and how to avoid it. Now, what Jesus does is he gives us an illustration he gives us an explanation, and then he gives us an application. And that's exactly what I'm going to do for you this morning. I'm going to show you the illustration. I'll give you the explanation, and then we'll end with an application. You're there in verse number 46. The Bible says this, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. Now, I want you to notice this. Here we begin with our illustration. Jesus says, I will show you to whom he is like. Jesus said, I'm going to give you an illustration. It's a parable, and a parable is an earthly story with a spiritual lesson, a spiritual application. He said, I'm going to show you what the person who is like. You say, what person is he referring to? The person, Jesus says, who cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, he said, I'm going to show you what that person is like. He said, I'm also going to show you what the person is like that comes to me and hears my words and doeth them not. He says, I will show you to whom he is like. Notice verse 48. He says, he is like a man which. And then Jesus jumps into this 
very famous story, this famous illustration, Jesus goes on to give us a very famous parable known as the parable of the wise man and the foolish man. Now, in, in here, in Luke chapter 6, he never actually uses the, the words wise and foolish. He just refers to them as a man that did something and a man that did something else. But we know from the Matthew passage uh, when we compare the two, it's the same parable, and one is a wise man, and one is a foolish man. And Jesus gives us this illustration, and I, I want to explain this parable to you. I know it's very well known, I know it's very basic, but there's some deep truths in this very basic parable. He gives us this uh, illustration. So we begin, of course, with the illustration. First, he talks about the wise man. Notice there in verse 48, he says, He is like a man, notice this phrase, which built in house. He said, he is like a man which built a house. Now, when it comes to these parables, like I said, they're earthly parables with spiritual applications. And each one of these different characteristics or different things that are mentioned represents something. Here we're told that he's like a man which built his house and dig deep and laid a foundation on the rock. What is this referring to and what is this, uh, uh, the, the, the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us? Now, keep your place there in Luke if you would. That's obviously our text for this morning. And go with me if you would to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 5. If you're there in Luke, you're going to go past the book of John, past the book of Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, into 2 Corinthians. Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Do me a favor, when you get to 2 Corinthians, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. Uh, so I'd like you to be able to get to 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're taking notes this morning, and I would encourage you to take notes on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write some things down. We begin with this illustration of a wise man. First, we see that he built a house. What does that mean? And if you're taking notes, maybe you can write this. Built a house equals build a life. The, 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 the house or the building of a house in this parable is an illustration of someone building their life. In fact, this is not the only place that this is mentioned in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 1, the Bible says, For we know, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He talks about the fact that we have an earthly house of this tabernacle and we have a building of God in heaven. What is he referring to? He's not referring to a physical dwelling place. He's referring to your body. Notice, notice down in verse number four, same chapter. He says, for we that are in this tabernacle. Remember, he said that we have an earthly house of this tabernacle. He says, we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, notice, with mortality might be swallowed up of life. He's using the illustration of a house being your body or being you. He says, on this earth, the body that we've been given is uh, equivalent to a tabernacle. Uh, a tabernacle would be a tent, would be a structure made of curtains, made of, of, of material that is not uh, hard or physical. And, and, and in comparison, we're told that our glorified bodies are going to be like mansions in heaven. So he's using this play on words. He says that we have this tabernacle. Notice there in verse 6, he says, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing whilst we are at home, notice, in the body we are absent from the Lord. So this home or this house or this tabernacle is a reference to our body. And when Jesus says, keep your place there in 2 Corinthians, uh, go back to Luke chapter 6. When Jesus says that this man built a house, it is in reference to the fact that he is building his life. And uh, I want you to understand that uh, we are building our lives today. If you are, you're here this morning, obviously you're here this morning and you're alive, you're breathing, you are building a life. You are building a life. And you say, well, what does that mean? And, and what we're going to learn in this parable, and I'll just go ahead and, and, and give it to you up front, is this. You say, how do I build a life? A life is built by a series of choices. A life is built by a series of choices. Let me read to you a quote from a, a book called The Compound Effect. I'm reading it right now. It says this, We all come into the world the same, naked, scared, and ignorant. After that grand appearance, the life we end up with is a series of the choices that we make. Here's another quote. You make choices, and then your choices make you. The truth is this, that your life, where you find yourself currently, 
Maybe you're very happy with your life. Maybe you're not very happy with your life. Maybe you're very happy with some areas in your life and you're not very happy with other areas in your life. But here's the truth about your life and about my life. Wherever we find ourselves in life, it is the sum and, uh, and, and accumulation of the choices that we have made. Life is a series of choices. We make decisions. Nobody sets out to be obese. Nobody sets out to be bankrupt. Nobody sets out to uh, uh, destroy their lives. Nobody sets out to uh, be a drug addict. Nobody sets out to do these things. But you say, well, how do people end up there? They end up through a series of choices, choices we make every day. And here we're told about this man which built in a house. He's building his life, and he makes a choice. He makes a decision. Notice there in verse 8, Luke chapter 6 and verse 8, he says, He is like a man which built in a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on, notice the rock. He says, on, uh, laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream uh, beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, notice, for it was founded upon a rock. Here we're told that this man is building his house, his life, and he chose, he made a decision to build his life upon a rock. To be founded upon a rock. Now, if you kept your place in 2 Corinthians, go back there if you would. But actually, go to 1 Corinthians. If you're in 2 Corinthians, just go back uh, one book into 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. While you turn there, let me give you a definition for the word founded or foundation. The word foundation is defined as the base on which something rests. Here, this man built his life upon a rock. Now, what is the rock? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. Let's look at it quickly. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, notice, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. All throughout the Bible, we are told that Jesus is the rock. In the Old Testament, we're told that God is the rock. You say, why is God, why are we told that God is the rock and we're told that Jesus is the rock? Here's why. Because Jesus is God. And, and we're told that he is the rock. And when the Bible tells us that this man laid, he built his life on a rock, he founded it upon a rock, the idea is that he founded it upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me just say this because that sounds like spiritual talk or spiritual jargon. It sounds like spiritual speak that you would hear at a church. You expect to come to a church and have a pastor tell you that you ought to build your life or uh, have your life be founded upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's way more practical than that. And one thing that we try to emphasize at Verity Baptist Church is I don't want to just give you philosophy and preaching. We want to make it very applicable, very practical to your life. And when the Bible says that this man built his house upon a rock, we need to understand that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who is that rock. But remember, the sermon, the, the, the parable is about a man who hears the words and whether he chooses to do them or not. In John chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read this for you. You go back to Luke chapter 6 if you would. Keep your place there in 1 Corinthians. We're going to come back to it. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. When it says all things were made by Him, it is a reference to the Word. Without Him, the Word was not anything made that was made. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible not only tells us that Jesus is the rock, the Bible also tells us that Jesus is the Word. We understand that Jesus is the living word, but I'm here to tell you, if you've got a King James Bible in your hand this morning, you're holding the written word of God. And when the Bible says that this man built his life upon a rock, it is a reference to, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ, but very practically and specifically to the fact that he built his life, he founded his life, he laid a foundation of his life upon the word of God, because Jesus is the word uh, and, and the Word of God is the Bible. We understand that the rock is Jesus. The rock is the Bible. And here's how we say it around here and how I've tried to maybe phrase it to help you remember that we as Christians must build our lives on the Bible. Amen. The Bible must be the foundation on which we live our lives. 
I believe that that's what makes our church very different from the average church in this country today. The fact that we actually, and I know people say this, but we actually read the Bible. We do not make excuses for what it says. We do not apologize for what it says. In places where it's popular, then it's popular. In places where it's not popular, we don't apologize for the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And we just believe it. We just apply it. We just live it. We are building our lives upon the Bible. That's what we ought to be doing. You say, well, why is it, Pastor, that so many Christians do not build their lives on the Bible? And again, let's get away from spiritual speak. When we say most Christians aren't building their lives on the Bible, here's what we mean by this. Most Christians do not know what the Bible says and are not doing what the Bible says. I mean, let's just get very specific. The average Christian does not read their Bible. The average Christian does not know what the Bible even says. The average Christian has all sorts of beliefs that have been given to them by the media and by the world, and they don't understand what God says about these things. And here's the honest truth. Why is it that um, many Christians are not building their lives on the Bible? Here's why. Because building your life on the Bible is a lot of work. Luke chapter 6, verse 48, notice what he says. He is like a man which built a house. Building your house equals building your life. He laid it on a foundation on a rock, for it was founded upon a rock. That equals, if you're taking notes, founded upon a rock equals building your life on the Bible, building your life on the foundation of the Bible. You say, why is it that many Christians do not read their Bible every day? Many Christians do not know what the Bible says and therefore do not live out what the Bible says. Here's why. Verse 48, he is like a man which built a house, notice, and digged deep. And laid the foundation on a rock. See, in order to lay a foundation, you've got to dig deep. Physically, if you're going to build a building, you've got to physically dig deep into the earth to be able to lay a foundation for that building. But you know what? In your life, you've got to dig deep into the Bible. You've got to dig deep to lay and to, and to get the truth of God's Word, the foundation that God wants for you. Did you keep your place there in 1 Corinthians? Look at uh, uh, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, 1 Corinthians 3, 11. And look, I, I'm, I'm just showing you these references, shows you all of this is connected throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians 3, 11, notice what, uh, what Paul said. He said, for other foundation can no man lay than uh, that is laid, notice, which is Jesus Christ. What should be the foundation of your life? What should be the foundation of my life? The Lord Jesus Christ, who is the rock, who is the word, the word of God ought to be the foundation of our lives. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You're there in 1 Corinthians. You go past 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 20. I just want to show you the consistency of this throughout the Bible. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians 2 and verse 20. Notice, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Notice, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He's the rock of foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. What's a chief cornerstone or what's a cornerstone? The cornerstone is the rock upon which the weight of the entire structure rests. Also a stone representing the starting place in the construction of a monumental building. Today when uh, uh, they build buildings and they lay a foundation, they'll pour cement and allow it to dry. But back in the Bible times, there was no cement that was mixed and poured and then dried. When they would lay a foundation, they would, they would find these huge, heavy, big stones and they would dig deep into the ground and they would bring these stones and these boulders down into uh, the earth and those stones would be laid as a foundation of a building and what would happen is they would take the biggest, the strongest, the best of those stones and they would lay it down first as the chief cornerstone. It was the stone that was laid down 
first on the corner, and therefore as the rest of the stones were brought in, they were brought in uh, uh, in uh, parallel or in connection with that first stone. The stone was first laid, was the chief cornerstone, and the rest of the stone laid their weight upon that first stone. So that first stone had to be big and strong and able to carry that weight. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. What does that mean? It means that he should come first it means that he should, the Bible says that in all things, he should have the preeminence and that everything else we do must lay, lay its weight upon him. He's the chief cornerstone. We should lay our foundation on him. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You're there. Do, do me a favor. Keep your place there in Ephesians, all right? You can lose your place in 1 Corinthians. Keep, keep your finger in Ephesians or your place in Ephesians. We're going to come back to it. But go real quickly to Colossians. From Ephesians, you've got Philippians, Colossians. You say, how do I dig deep? Here's how you dig deep. You've got to open up the Word of God and and begin to dig deep into the truths that are in this book. You've got to begin to read and study and learn and memorize. And, 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 and the most important thing is to apply. You've got to dig deep. But look, digging is hard work. And digging deep and trying to find something, trying to find truth in the Word of God is hard work. Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 6. The Bible says, as, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. That's application. Notice verse 7. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as he had been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. See, the Bible says that we must be rooted and built up in him. We've got to get rooted. We've got to get grounded. We've got to get founded. We've got to get established and established in the faith upon the the word of God, upon the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the problem with the average Christian is that they are not digging deep into the word of God. They're not taking the time to dig and mine the Bible for the answers to life's questions in the word of God. Sometimes you'll even offer to dig for them. (laughs) You'll offer to dig for them and to bring out the truth. And you'll say, hey, if you're not going to take the time to dig, you can show up to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and we'll dig it for you. We'll pull out the truth for you. We'll make it so easy. We'll just put it on a platter for you. You don't have to cook your own meal. It's like a restaurant. We'll serve it for you. And even then, you can barely get them to show up. And then people wonder why their lives are such a mess. He dig deep and laid the foundation. It means to have your life established and secured on the truths of God's word. It means to walk with God. You say, well, this sounds nice, and if I cared about spiritual things, then I would care about this, but I don't. <laughs> well, then here's something you might care about. Look at verse 48, Luke chapter 6, verse 48. Keep your place in Ephesians, if you would, and go back to Luke 6, 48. Here's where it becomes important. He is like a man which built a house. You say, I don't care about the choices I make, the decisions I make. They're my choices to make. Okay. And dig deep. I'm too lazy. I'm too apathetic. I don't care enough to dig deep into the Word of God and lay the foundation on the rock. Well, here's where it becomes important. Notice it says, and when. I want you to notice this word, when. It doesn't say if. It says When. And when the flood arose, and the stream beat vehemently upon the house, and could not shake it, for it was founded upon the rock. See, Jesus taught this. You said the flood arose, and the stream beat vehemently. What does that mean? That is a picture of the trials and the tribulations, the storms of life, the storms that all of us go through. The truth is this. Jesus said, in this world ye shall have tribulation." There's one thing that I can promise you is that you're going to have difficult times in your life. You're going to have heartaches. You're going to have trials. I often tell people, you're either going through a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or you're getting ready to go into a trial because that's the Christian life. The Christian life is difficult. The Christian life is hard. It's not if, but when the floods arose. It's not if, but when the streams will beat vehemently. It's not if, but when 
the storms of life will come upon your life. That word vehemently is characterized by forcefulness or intensity. And I don't have to tell you, if you've lived uh, uh, any length of time upon this earth, I don't have to tell you that one day your house, your life, your structure that you're building upon this earth is going to get hit and hit and hit and hit and the floods will rise and the winds will come and the streams will come and it will beat vehemently upon that house. And that storm and those storms will show us what your house is founded upon. Because notice what happens with this wise man. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundations on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house. And notice, could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. You ever met somebody with unshakable faith? Someone who their lives could be falling apart. I mean, a a spiritual tornado, a whirlwind could be coming through their lives and they're just not shaken. That happens when you are founded upon the rock. Go to Acts, if you would, Acts chapter 20. You're there in Luke. You've got the book of John and Acts. Acts chapter 20. Remember years ago, my wife and I were in a church and we met a couple, an older couple, and they had, we had found out and they, they told us a story about the fact that they had a son that had passed. I think their son was eight years old at the time. And, and the way that it happened uh, was they, they, just, they woke up one morning. Dad went into the bedroom to wake their son up and, and, he, and he was gone. And they don't know what, what happened. The, the, the doctors told them that it was like if someone had just flipped a switch and just, just, just took his life. Just, it was done. God, God just took him home. And I remember they told us about this time in their lives. Obviously, it was a difficult time in their lives, but they shared with us about the fact that they could rely upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they knew that God was in control, and they knew that God knew what he was doing, and they were able to uh, go through this time in their lives, it's difficult. I can't imagine anything harder than losing a child. What was interesting is that maybe a few weeks later, we, uh, my wife and I were having dinner with a, a couple that I, I worked with, and they were coming to church with us, and uh, we're having a conversation and, uh, with them. And the wife uh, was telling us about how she had kind of grown up in church, but they stopped going to church, and they quit church, and uh, we asked, oh, well, what happened? Why do you guys quit church? She kind of acted like there was a reason for it, and she said, well, you know, the thing is, we're going to church, and, 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 and we had these neighbors, and, um, and their, their son died, and when their son died, my parents were just so shaken by why God would allow this, that we just quit church, and they quit on God, and they quit believing, and it was just very interesting to me, because within a matter of a couple of weeks, I had heard a story from a uh, about a, a family who they hadn't even gone through a trial. Their neighbor had gone through a trial and, and they were so shaken by it. And why God would allow this that they quit on God. And yet another family who had actually lost their child said they came out of it stronger, their faith stronger. And it's just interesting to me that the trials of life, please understand this, the trials of life, they do not make a man, they just reveal a man. They do not make you stronger, they just reveal where your strength has been or where your strength has not been. They could not shake it. Notice there in Acts chapter 20 and verse 22, Paul says this, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. Paul speaking to uh, believers there and he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He says, Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. The word befall means the things that will happen or occur to me. He says, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul says, look, I don't, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to befall me there, but I know this. 
Every city I go, bonds and afflictions abide me. He says, I know trials and tribulations are going to follow me there. I know that when I get there, there's going to be storms and trial. But notice verse 24, Paul says, but none of these things move me. He said, I know that bonds and afflictions abide me. I know that I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm bound to Jerusalem and, uh, and not knowing the things that shall befall me. But he said, come what may, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish the course. Notice these words. I love it. He says, with joy. In the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of grace of God. He said, none of these things, he said, but none of these things move me. You don't have to turn here. You can go back to Luke chapter 6 if you would, but I'll read to you from Psalm 62. Psalm 62 and verse 6 says this, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. I like that song we sing. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved, just like a tree planted by the waters. Oh, I shall not be moved. So how do, you, how do you get there? How do you get there in the Christian life? It's simple. It's a choice. It's a decision you make to dig deep into the Word of God, to pull the truths out of the Word of God, and to then lay your foundation of your life upon those truths. That's what the wise man does. But notice in this illustration, Jesus also gives us the contrast. He gives us the foolish man. Notice there in Luke chapter 6 and verse 49. Luke 6, 49. The Bible says, But he that heareth, here's the comparison and the contrast. He that heareth and doeth not. He says, this is a different man. He that heareth and doeth not is like a man... He said, let me give you another illustration of another man. It's like a man, notice, that without a foundation built in house upon the earth. He built in house upon the earth. In Matthew, we're told that he built his house upon the sand. And both are great illustrations. But I like here that we're told that he built his life upon the earth. Because throughout the Bible, the Bible calls the philosophies and the thoughts and the ways of the unsaved as the world. And here the earth, the physical globe, is a picture of the world. See, this man did not build his life upon the rock, the Bible of the Word of God, but he built his house upon the earth. He built his life upon the world. He built his life upon the world's philosophies. Go back to Ephesians, if you would. Ephesians uh, chapter number 2. If you kept your place, remember I asked you to keep your place in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Do you understand that the world is constantly trying to feed you their philosophy? The world is constantly trying to get you to think the way they think. It's done through many ways, and probably the most powerful ways, through media. They used to call it, when you watch TV, programming. Programs. You say, why do they call it that? I think they might have called it that because when you sit down to watch those TV shows, they were programming you and trying to teach you what to think. See, people come to church like ours, and, and they hear what the Bible says about like the LGBT and sodomites, and homosexuality, and they're, and they're just like, I can't believe, I've never heard any pastor ever preach like that. And it's like, well, you've never heard a pastor dig down deep into the Word of God and uh, get, you know, praise God for the Gospels, but you know there's also Leviticus? You know there's also Romans? And, and, but the problem is this, that you've been programmed by the television to accept homosexuality, to accept fornication, to accept drunkenness, to accept all these things that want to ruin your life. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's talking about saved people. He says, where in time past. He said, look, if you're saved, this should be your testimony, where in time past ye walked according to the Course. Notice this word here. The course of this world. Do you know that you say, you, the, the world has a course? 
It's got a path. It wants everyone to go down. Jesus called it the broad way. There's a way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. You say, who sets the course of the world? Notice, where in tight paths you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know that Satan is the one who is determining the course of this world. That's why, look, if, if you're ever unsure what's right or what's wrong, just, just look at I remember my dad taught me this years ago when I was a kid. He said, look, if you're ever unsure what's right or what's wrong, just look at what most people are doing, and that's probably the wrong thing to do. What most people believe, what most people are doing, what's the popular thing. Hey, uh, that's, the Bible says, follow not a multitude to sin. But we have this course of this world set up by Satan, set up by uh, the world. And look, Jesus says it's a foolish thing. You're there in Ephesians. Go to Colossians if you would. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter number 2. Jesus says it's a very foolish thing to build your life upon the earth. It's foolish to build your life upon the thoughts and beliefs and, and, and philosophies of the earth. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7. We saw this earlier, but i like you to notice verse 8 in its context. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as He had been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verse 8, beware. Beware. He says, beware. He says, be very cautious. Be very careful. Beware. Lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world. The word rudiments means basic foundations or fundamentals or foundation. After the rudiments of the world, notice, notice, and not after Christ. See, you're either founded upon Christ or you're founded upon the world. You're either founded upon the rock or you're founded upon the earth. Sometimes I hear Christians talk. Sometimes I hear pastors talk. And I think to myself, you you're so worldly, it's not even funny. And I don't, when I say worldly, and we, we use it this way, and I don't necessarily mean it this way in, in this instance, in, in, in their dress or appearance, just the way they think. They'll, they'll say these things, and it's like, you're just, you're just regurgitating what you heard on Fox News. You're just regurgitating what you heard on CNN. You're just regurgitating what you've heard the world program you to do. Why don't you dig deep in the Word of God and find out what God thinks about it? Find out what the Bible says about it. Why don't you build your life on the Bible? This man built his house upon the earth. He built his house upon the worldly philosophies, the philosophies of this world, what the world told him to believe. You'll preach like this and you'll preach bold and people will call you a cult and I don't even know what the, people, people call you a cult, they don't even know what that means. You know, cults try to keep you in. We kick more people out than, <laughs> than, is, uh, than is appropriate to be called a cult. But you know, they'll say, well, you're trying to, brain, you're trying to brainwash people. And I'm thinking, to myself, well, their brains need to be washed. <laughs> We're trying to take the water of the Word of God and wash out the filth. Amen. It has been implanted into your brain, these philosophies of the world. That Jesus says, if you build your life upon the earth, you're a fool. It's foolish. Look, please, you, I've been preaching this happily ever after. People tell me, as I've traveled, people are all over the country telling me, oh, I'm really enjoying the happily ever after. Thank you for these. And this is what people say. The stuff you're teaching about marriage, you know, I've never heard anybody teach that. And I think, exactly. That's why the average marriage is ending in divorce today. The things you teach, I've never heard anybody teach those things. You can, you can have your relationships founded upon the earth. You can live your life the way the world tells you to live your life. Or you can have them founded upon the word of God. And I hear them, I'm telling you, why don't you choose to build your life on the Bible? Amen. I've told you this before, as Baptists, we're biblicists. The Bible is the boss. You say, How do you know when you're a Baptist? When the Bible is the boss, you're a Baptist. 
The Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. See, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think or I think. It doesn't matter how you feel or I feel. When when a question is asked, the only valid answer is this. What does the Bible say? Because we're building our lives on the Bible. We're building our lives on the Word of God. Notice there in Luke chapter 6 and verse 49. See, here's the truth. When you build your life upon the earth, I love how Jesus phrases it here in verse 49. He says, But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man, notice this little phrase, that without a foundation built his house upon the earth. When you build your life upon the philosophies of this world, the teachings of this world, the foundations of the world, it's like you're, you're building a house without a foundation at all. Building your life on the world's philosophies is like having no foundation at all. That without a foundation built his house upon the earth. And I'm here to tell you something. Whether you're saved or unsaved. Whether you're a godly Christian or a worldly Christian. Whether you dig deep in the word of God. Or you're shallow and you know nothing about the word of God. Notice the streams beat vehemently uh, uh, upon all. The wise man had storms come into his life. He was ready for those storms because he founded his life upon the rock. But the foolish man, who without a foundation, built his house upon the earth, the Bible says about that man, verse 49, against which the streams did beat vehemently. The storms came, the floods came, the winds came. Notice this phrase. And immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. See, whether you want to build your life on the Bible or not, the storms are coming. And the ruin of that house was great. Circumstances do not make a man. They simply reveal him. We see this illustration. Now let me just quickly give you an explanation. Notice in verse 47, Luke chapter 6 and verse 47. Here's the explanation. The illustration is this. Jesus said there's a man who built his house upon a rock. And when the storms came, the house was not shaken. And there was another man who built his house upon the earth. And when the storms came, great was the fall of it. And great was the ruin of it. He says that's the illustration He says, here's the explanation. You want to understand the parable? Verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. He's the wise man. Who's the foolish man? Look at verse 49. But he that heareth and doeth not. Go with me if you would to the book of James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. If you go... Backwards from the book of Revelation, go backwards. You have Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James. James chapter 1. I know, I know many of you have heard me teach this before. I, uh, it's, a, it's a theme of mine. But I, I don't know how else to say it to you, and I, I'll, I'll continue to try to say it to you, and I'll continue, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, but here, here's what it comes down to. Everything you need to know about life is contained in this book. Right. Everything you need to know about anything is contained right here. You want to help your career? Follow what the Bible says. You want to help your marriage? Follow what the Bible says. You want to help your parenting? Follow what the Bible says. You want better health? Follow what the Bible says. You want better finances? Follow what the Bible says. You want to be happy and content? Follow what the Bible says. Look, everything you need to know about everything is contained in this book right here. That's why Joshua said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest learn to observe to do the things that are written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The secret to success is right here. Say, well, then why do some people achieve it and some people don't? Because some people do it and some people don't. Your life is a series of choices. James chapter 1, are you there? Look at verse 22. James 1, 22, but be ye doers of the word. And not here is only. Deceiving your own selves. When you hear and you don't do, 
you're not helping anybody. You're not helping yourself. I hate to say, I hate to say it this way because I, I realize that people who have founded their lives upon the earth are going to take this the wrong way. But let me just go ahead and say it. Coming to a church like this, listening to preaching like this, and never applying it is a big waste of time. Now, I know that those of you that are worldly are like, see, honey, it's what I've been telling you this whole time. We should stop coming. Whatever. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because you say, well, well, I go to church on Sunday mornings. I go to church on Sunday nights. I go to church on Wednesday nights. I put on a nice dress. I put on a nice suit. I put on some nice clothes. I grab a Bible that I never read. And I go off to church. And we play this part like we're a nice big family, but listen to me, you're deceiving yourself. Because being a, the Bible says if you are a hearer and not a doer, you're deceiving yourself. Be doers of the word and not hearers, deceiving your own selves. Look at verse 23. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Here's another illustration. If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. The word glass there is referring to a mirror. He says, a man that is a hearer and not a doer, he's like a man that looks at himself in the mirror, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. He, here's, here's what James is saying. He's saying, going to church and not applying the biblical teaching is like looking in a mirror with no intention of fixing what you see. What's the point? If you're going to look in the mirror and not identify the problems and not fix the problems, not brush your hair, not fix your tie. If you're looking in the mirror and you're not going to do anything about what you see, that's the same as going to church, planning on doing nothing with what you hear. Verse 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, that's the rock, that's Jesus. And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Notice that he uses these terms interchangeably. Doer of the word, doer of the work. You say, why does he do, why does he do that? Here's why. Because being a doer of the word is a lot of work. You got to dig deep. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. No, don't miss it. Please don't miss it. This is the exact opposite of how Luke ends. Luke ends with, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house, the ruin of that life was great. Here's how James ends. He being a, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Say, I want God to bless him. Do what the Bible says. Yeah. I want to ruin my life. Don't do what the Bible says. It's that simple. It's that simple. That's what it comes out to. I mean, so, sometimes, sometimes I, I don't even really understand how to help people. And, and my, I realize my, my job as a pastor and my wife's job as a pastor's wife is to help people. And we want to help people. Sometimes it's as simple as stop. Pastor, well, I got this problem and we keep doing this. I keep doing that. And stop. Just stop it. Sometimes we look at couples and we're just like, you guys just like fighting? You just want to fight? Just want to fight. Well, what do we do about our fighting? Stop it. Stop it. What do I do about my drinking? Stop it. What do I do about my stealing? Stop. Start doing what God tells you. Look, I realize it's more complicated than that. And I understand that there's things that we can do to help you accomplish those things. But it comes down to this. You want a blessed life. Do what the Bible says. If you want your life to be ruined, lean on to your own understanding. So we saw an illustration. We saw an explanation. Let me give you an application. We'll finish up. Notice Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. The illustration, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the earth. The explanation, the wise man is the one that does what he hears from the word of God. The foolish man is the one that doeth not the things that he hears. Here's an application. I like it. Verse 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord? Jesus. Think about this. Jesus, 
It's called the Sermon on the Plain, right? He's preaching it to a congregation. I mean, probably thousands of people there. He's looking out at this congregation, Jesus, and he says, why, why call ye me Lord, Lord? He says, you know, there are some of you who call, you know, you refer to me as Lord. You say, Lord, Jesus Christ, Lord, Lord, to get my attention. What does he mean? He means you are religious and you are reverent. You believe in me and you believe of me. You call me Lord, Lord. He says, but why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He says, see, they were religious and they were reverent. But they were disobedient. Go to Matthew chapter 15. Real quickly, Matthew chapter 15. First book of the New Testament. Here's what the Bible, here's what Jesus is saying. Talk is cheap. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay, we'll prove it. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is believe on Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, period. End of story. Not of works. I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, then why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Matthew 15, verse 8, Jesus said, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Oh, yeah, call me Lord, Lord, Jesus says. You call me Lord, Lord. You honor me with your lips. But your heart is far from me. You do not the things which I say. I'd like you to go to Ezekiel. We'll finish up in Ezekiel. Ezekiel has a very interesting passage. Ezekiel 33, if you would. If you open up your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Those big, major books towards the old, end of the Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. Ezekiel 33 and verse 30, the Bible says also, Ezekiel 33 and verse 30, also thou son of man, this is God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. He says, the children of thy people are, people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. God, God goes to Ezekiel. I think this is a very interesting passage. Ezekiel is the man of God, the preacher. And he gets done preaching. And God says, you know that they are still talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses? And what he means by that is they're still talking about you. You know that they went home and they're like, wow, that was an amazing sermon. They're saying about Ezekiel. Doesn't that sound like a good thing? They're, they're still talking about thee. You know, in our... In our type of churches, the type, type of churches that follow the Word of God and preach the Word of God, very conservative, bold type churches. People will often, and I appreciate it, especially as I travel, people will often talk about the preaching of our church and the churches like ours. And, 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 and people appreciate it because it's very unique because there's not a lot of preaching going on like this. And, and, and people will, will like the preaching. They'll listen to it online. They'll literally like it, you know on Facebook, or they'll share it, or they'll uh, uh, send links, and I appreciate all of that, and we're thankful for anyone that helps us to get out the, the, the Word of God, and we'll have conferences, like in July, we're having our annual Red Hot Preaching Conference, and we'll literally bring in the greatest preachers in this country Amen. to preach the Word of God, and people will come. I mean, last year at our opening night, we had, I was 464 people in attendance that, that, that first uh, night. People will come from all over the country and all over the world to hear this type of preaching, Bible, biblical, bold preaching. And they'll talk against it. They'll talk about it. They'll, they'll, they'll say, wow, that was amazing. That was a great sermon. That was an amazing sermon. And this is what God is telling Ezekiel. He says, also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the house and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, notice what they're saying. They're saying, come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. They say, I've never heard a preacher like this. I've never heard a preacher say these things. I've never heard a preacher preach these things. You got to come and hear what the word is that cometh from the Lord. Verse 31. And they come unto thee as the people come in. And they sit before thee 
as my people. But God says, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. You know what's funny to me? It's people that like hard biblical preaching, but they don't do what they're taught in hard biblical preaching. They hear thy words, God says, but they will not do them, for with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. It says they like the preaching, but at the end of the day they're going to do what they want. Their heart goeth after their covetousness. Verse 32, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song. Ezekiel, they like your preaching. They like your style of preaching. They like your, that, that you're bold and you're dynamic. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, please, please, please don't miss this. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Remember the when? Not the if, but the when, when the storms come. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. You say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. There are people that come to churches like Verity Baptist Church. They listen to the preaching online. They'll travel to hear me preach when I preach somewhere, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for you. And not just me. They'll do it for Pastor Burzens and Pastor Anderson and Pastor Mejia and Pastor Thompson and Pastor Jones. They love the preaching. They love the boldness. They say, wow, I'm learning a lot. I've never had, I've never had somebody uh, go verse by verse through the uh, book of Leviticus. I've never had somebody go verse by verse through the book of, of Ezekiel. I'm, I'm learning so much, and it's amazing. I, I love the style and delivery. You guys are, 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 are funny, and you're bold, and, you're, and, and, and all of it. It's great. But then they go home and do whatever they want. They hear it, but they don't apply it. They know it, but they don't do it. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. What is the this referring to? It is referring to the fact that the judgment of God is coming upon the children of Israel. The fact that all those sermons that Ezekiel was preaching about, he was preaching about the fact that a storm was coming. He says, and when this cometh to pass, lo, and it will come, they shall know that a prophet had been among them. Here, here's, what he, here's what he's saying. When the storm comes, and their life falls flat, and their life is ruined, they're going to say, I should have done what that preacher said to do. They shall know that a prophet had been among them. Because I believe, and please don't take this the wrong way, and I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but I believe that at a church like this, we take the word of God, and we pull it apart and serve it to you in a follow to in an easy to follow outlined sometimes even alliterated so you can remember it and we tell you Here, here's how to do it here's how to do it with your kids and here's how to do it in your marriage and here's how to do it in life and people come say wow that's amazing I've never heard that and they go they don't apply they don't do it they go home and keep doing the stupid things they're doing in their marriage, stupid things they're doing with their health, stupid things they're doing with their finances, stupid things they're doing with their children, stupid things they're doing in their relationships. Because their heart is far from it. But one day, one day, when the storm comes, and lo, it will come, they'll say, I should have done what the preacher said to do. They'll know that a prophet had been among them. Jesus said it this way. We'll finish up Luke 6, 49. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. I hope it's never said of you that the ruin of that life was great.
So how do Christians ruin their lives? Here's how they do it. They hear the word of God, and they don't apply it. So why don't you build your life on the Bible? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your word. Lord, I pray you'd help us to realize that the word of God has all the answers to all the questions. And we just got to do it. We just have to stop being lazy and stop being undisciplined and stop being covetous and stop being worldly and start doing what the Bible tells us to do. And we'll be blessed. It doesn't mean that the storms won't come, but we won't be shaken in them. Lord, I pray you'd help us to learn this basic principle and help us to build our lives on the Bible. On the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.